Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked I'm up locked in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Well, good evening, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the NASCA Blog Talk Radio Show. Um, NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And my name is Kim Lakin. I'm your host this evening. And it doesn't look like I have, well, I do have a co-host, but it's not one of our co-hosts that is usually on with us. So we do have someone that's called in. It doesn't look like we have a, a guest this evening. So I think that my call-in co-host and I will probably be able to make do. So um, but here at NASA, we have a single purpose, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as it's related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And again, that's on NAFSA.org. We are on scan number 3319 this evening. And if you would like to be a part of our show, we'd love to have you be a part of our show. Since we don't have a special guest this evening, but um, you can call on the guest call-in number, which is 646-595-2118, and we will bring you on with us and see what you have to say, or just let us know if you want to just listen this evening. So um, we would love to have you be on with us this evening. So like I said, we don't really have a guest, but I have Philip on the line. Hey, Philip. Happy Thanksgiving. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you're on because it's just you and I right now. Oh, okay. Um, where's Penelope? Well, I just offered to take tonight because it's a, you know, it's Thanksgiving, and um, the person that usually does Thursday nights didn't necessarily want to do it, so I said I'll do it, and then I get to have Christmas Day off which is usually mine and Penelope's night. 
that we do it. So, so yeah, it's just all, all different tonight because we're just trying to accommodate everybody that wants to be with their families. So, did you guys oh, do anything? We put up the Christmas tree. We put up the Christmas tree today, and we made some food. Nice. You do a traditional yeah, turkey. We did a turkey breast from the store. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense if there's only a couple of you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then last year we didn't do the big meal either. It was just me and my mom. Yeah. So, yeah. So it works out best just to do that. You guys aren't big leftover eaters? We used to be back when it was a big family. Yeah. So, yeah, we just, um, I just got back from my daughter's house. She put on the meal this year, and she invites her husband's family as well. And so... Yeah, we had a good time, and the food was good. I kind of ran out because I had to come over here, but it was good. It was good to be there. And I had a a little trick that I showed the grandkids, too, so that was kind of fun to show them. What? Something, a new trick. A new trick. I, um, I saw this trick on, like, YouTube last night. And uh, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was getting ready to shut down my my phone, and I went, oh, that's cool. And it's, it's a paper trick, and it, they say to – I'll send it to you. They say to ask, you know, the other person to fit themselves through a piece of paper. And so you give them a piece of paper, and they usually just cut out the middle, which is what my grandkids did. They cut out the middle of it. And then they try and flip it over their head, you know, just with the middle cutting out of the paper, and it breaks every time. But if you cut it a certain way, then you can make it into, like, this big, long chain that almost looks like, and it'll just, like, fall right over you. So it's kind of cool. It was fun to to show them that. Yeah, I'll submit to you. It's kind of a fun thing to do. Something different. (laughs) I like to find things to entertain the grandkids with. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> I have Aww. one nephew and I have one niece and then I'll have another niece in two months. Oh, congratulations. That's going to be fun. So they already found out, huh? Is that the same one that has yeah. girls already? Yeah. No, it goes oh, my older sister has a niece and a nephew, a daughter and a son, and then my second, oh. the oldest sister, will have a daughter. Oh, okay. So that's her first. Yes. Your other sister. Yeah. How fun. Do you like to do things with them? Do you tell her and play with them a little bit? Um, yes. No. <laughs> I really haven't hung out with the with the girl a lot, but I've hung out more with the boy. Have you? How old are they? Um, 
two and six, I think. Oh, yeah, they're still little, huh? Yeah. Pretty tiny. <laughs> oh, but, but I like those little age. I've always been more of a preschool age person than really an older kid. I just, I it scared me because I was not a very good teenager. I was bad, and so I didn't necessarily want teenagers. <laughs> I just wanted a baby. But I guess they come with it. So. <laughs> you were you were a bad teenager? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of. I was rebellious because of the oh, abuse. Okay. And when I got to age, well, as soon as I met my boyfriend when I was like 15, it was pretty shortly after we got to Washington, I we just moved out to Washington State to start a restaurant with my uncle, and I met my boyfriend, and then just started sneaking around and skipping school to be with him, and started smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Mostly the skipping school part, I think, was probably the worst part, but, <laughs> and then we ended up coming back to Colorado and um, three years after we started the restaurant because the restaurant was doing very well, but then it kind of went under. And um, and I brought my boyfriend with me back to Colorado and my, that my parents were planning on sending him to his grandma in Florida. And so I said, no, I'm going with him. And I packed up my stuff and went with him, so I spent three months in Florida with him. <laughs> so, yeah, I, okay. just, I, I was a little bit <laughs> What? I've had two girlfriends. Have you? Yeah. Pretty much in school, when you were going to school or since then? Yes, when I was going to school. High school. High school sweethearts. Those are always fun. <laughs> That's like your first love usually in high school. <laughs> I heard somebody say that the first and second are just there and that the third one is the special one. Is that true? No. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, well, I guess technically maybe. Andy was my third, but I don't know. See, probably um, as far as a relationship goes, yeah, he probably was. But I'd never heard that before. So that's interesting. So do we have a topic for We don't. Well, so I we don't really have anything that's out there, but... What do you think? Do you have a topic, or do you want me to, to suggest one? Do you have any? I have I had one for this past couple days, so I forgot it. Oh no, <laughs> maybe it'll come back. Um, looking at like adult parent alienation and children who you know choose the abuser over loving, alienated parent. That popped up because I feel like that's, I can relate to that a little bit, but 
comes to you. But do, can you relate topic. to any kind of just alienating, like alienation of children or alienation of parents? Yes, I've uh, experienced that when I was a kid a lot. I experienced that a lot. And I didn't have much to do except fly around the house and be depressed and whatever. Because, yeah. Did you experience that? And was that when your when your parents were still together? Was it like that, do yeah. you think? Or be, after, was it before they broke up? Yes. Yeah, I feel like, well, yeah, I do. I feel like it's kind of going on with my girls. And, you know, they're choosing my husband over me because I guess they're mad at me to, well, there's there's several different things that I've heard that they're upset at me about, but um, it always seems to be real clear, like when I go to family things, that I am not as welcomed as I used to be, and it, it's really hard for me because I've always tried really hard, and I never really wanted to have that disconnection with my kids like I had with my mom, and so it's been really hard on me to know that they are choosing not to get to know me and, you know, and try and emphasize at any time with what I'm going through. But, um, but I know that that also well, works opposite, too. Well, I mean, it, one parent can alienate a, a child. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, at least you're being a big person and trying to heal from it on the show, huh? Some people don't even do that. Well. <laughs> that's true. I mean, at least we do talk about it. I think that that's huge in kind of trying to process a lot of stuff like this. I was wondering, because I know you had several siblings, too, did you ever feel like there was one parent that chose one child over the other? So maybe they kind of alienated the other children for that one child? Um, I feel like my dad did that with my youngest. Yeah. And then okay. I think my it's mom, common. my mom, my mom did it with all three of my sisters when I was a kid. Yeah, you've mentioned that I think before. Oh, I know a topic. I know a topic we can talk about. Yeah. yeah. Intimacy issues. Intimacy. Intimacy issues. <laughs> I have one of those, yeah. and, it, and it causes a porn addiction. Yeah? Do yeah. you, well, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I, it could probably go either way, wouldn't you think? Yeah. If, if you're afraid, you know, maybe, yeah, it would be in, it would be easier for you to go inward and just get into porn and that way, or to also then do the opposite and, and like retreat into yourself and not ever want to have any kind of pleasure that way, you know? And I think that sometimes when people are hurt by relationships, that happens. Both of those things happen. 
What's your experience? Do you want to share? Um, I'm not really too like aware of it, or of it yet, so I don't really know what to say about it. But like, as far as the intimacy issue goes, I guess I'll try to talk about it. Um, like being afraid of getting close, having a close relationship with people. Is that what the intimacy issue is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think to be able to open up and, you know, when you are in a relationship, you should be able to help that person feel like they're safe and comfortable, and then, you know, that person should also do it for you, not that they should be everything. But um, I think I could talk on my own as well, that um, there has been a, a very much a disconnect in that area, and I think that is a part of what our relationship has gone downhill from, too, part of it. <laughs> and um, But I can't ever get any conversation out of my husband to talk about it, to figure out what exactly is going on and why we're so disconnected, you know. And so I think that there is a – that's why I think that some people will disconnect. And I think that that's a little bit about maybe what my husband has done is just completely disconnect and um, not search for that, um, you know. Have you ever disconnected? Because it, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did that. I mean, I do that when <laughs> – well, the two big relationships that I can think of, which was my daughter's um, farm donor, <laughs> I call him, and um, which was my first boyfriend. Yeah, I had to disconnect because he was cheating on me and, you know, going out and doing stuff. And so I had to disconnect and to, to be healthy for myself. And um, And then definitely... It's happened with my husband, too, because, you you know, if you're not ever feeling loved, and that's part of that connection that I'm talking about, it's not even about the sex or anything. It's, it's more about the connection, how you're connecting with that person and how you help that person to feel loved and, and to be safe when they're with you. And if you can't ever get to that point, then your relationship isn't going to keep growing. And I think that's what's hard about a lot of relationships is that we don't always understand, especially when we're married younger, that that relationship still needs to keep changing and growing, and it will change. And so what is important is that you're together, you know, that you stick together so that you can grow together. And, you know, we have a new caller can we bring them in and see? Hello, this is Kim. You're on the line with us. I didn't look up your number, so who's talking? This is Monica. Hi, Monica. Thanks for calling. Thank you, me. So did you I hope everyone's having a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too. And um, really, so you were in Big Beyond. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I really didn't get into a topic much of what we know we've all survived through. I just really and truly wanted to take this time with it being a holiday for us to each reflect on the things that we are thankful for and the things we are grateful for in spite of our shared histories of abuse, right? So I just want to wish everyone out there that's listening on your healing journey that it does get better day by day. It's up to us to put in the work to first forgive ourselves because we are the adults now thinking that we could have made different decisions for that 8-year-old or 6-year-old or 12-year-old or whatever age we were when we were abused. And we couldn't, guys. We were in the care of adults that were supposed to care for us, and they made the choice to abuse us. So what I can tell you is, is I don't think that I have the capacity for forgiveness of my abusers when they refused to admit the abuse. That's that's reason number one. But I do have the capacity to move past the abuse because I'm not the six-year-old or eight-year-old or 12-year-old anymore, so I can't let the constant present memories, if you don't do the work, share in something positive in your life, meditate, pray, whatever it takes for you to move past the emotional attachment of what that abuse did to you that many years ago. Because if not, it will constantly feel every day as if you're still feeling abused. You will still wake up in doubt every day. You'll still have insecurities every day. You'll still be crying every day. You'll still be filled with possible hate and rage every day and anger at the people that abused you. And so I want you all to be grateful for waking up today. And hopefully you've had a chance to feel today with some type of a great memory that it can push a bad memory a little further to the back of your brain where you don't feel the need to hold on to it as much. Um, because once you do reach that level of forgiving, forgiving the actual action of the abuse, you can have the memory of the abuse without having the emotional attachment to the abuse, which means you can talk about it more freely and open, but it does not take you back to that place. It does not take you immediately back to and crying, and you can't get yourself together. So what you have to do like get therapist, um, but just be grateful for every day that we have had to step forward with that time, to wake up and see a new sky, breathe new air since the end of the abuse, whatever that day or time was that was the last day that you were actually physically abused. What we've got to start to work on now is healing the emotional attachment to the abuse. So I just want to wish you all well wishes for that today, for Thanksgiving. And, um, yeah, I hope everyone's day is a little bit brighter and a little bit healthier as they move along in their healing journey. 
And, um, yeah, let's, you know, let's just celebrate, celebrate you. It's okay to love you. Wake up every day and love you. That's my mantra. I try to wake up, wake up every day, wrap my arms around myself, and say, Monica, I love you, before I put feet on the floor to get out of bed. So we've got to learn to love ourselves enough first in order to forgive the action of the abuse because it was not our fault. We didn't deserve it. It's nothing we could have done to have changed it, but we can change the trajectory of where we're going now as survivors of that abuse to be able to help others who are possibly going through the same thing right now. So happy Thanksgiving again to all of you, and I just wanted to wish everyone well wishes. Thank you, Mom. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. We appreciate you coming on and doing that. Um, we know we had you we scheduled for tonight, but we weren't sure, quite sure if you were going to be able to be on with us or not. Since it was the holiday. Okay. So we're glad you're on. No problem. I just had to. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the clock and the camera, and I was still kind of in the middle of fixing a few last-minute dishes. And I just thought, okay, well, let me just sit down and, and take a few minutes and um, share with everyone because I didn't want to miss tonight. I think this actually will be the first night that I've come on on a holiday to just hear what everyone discusses for, in retrospect to our abuse stories with regards to it matching up and lining up with an actual holiday. So I think it's the first time for me to have a normal night to be able to call in on a holiday night. So this is a new one for me. Yeah, and we didn't really have much planned other than, you know, I was going to see if you came on, and then we were just talking about some some subjects that come to our mind, and um, Philip is on with us, and he's always a great guest to have on with us, kind of a co-host, too. So he's been um, asking some questions. Did you have anything that you wanted to ask Monica, Philip, or anything? Yes. Um, no, I don't think so. Well, I really and truly for holidays like this, I really do think that some of us, depending on where we are in our holiday journey. I know I did it a lot for years. I'm single. I don't have children. So living alone and maybe not making a choice to not want to celebrate holidays, sometimes it's been my choice. But I can remember some of those holidays where I did spend the day not wanting to be around others because I was so wrapped in the emotion of those feelings and thoughts of the abuse. I can really say that I'm thankful that hopefully those days and times are behind me, that I'm just not wrapped up in a ball under my favorite pillow or blanket on the bed where I don't feel like eating or answering the phone or socializing or doing anything because it's a holiday, because it's so conflicting. As a child, you're getting abused but if Christmas or some other holiday rolls around, then you're dressed up like a doll and you take the pretty pictures and you go around family members and, and you play the part, you know. So it's it's those things that used to run through my mind so much on how could these people be so interested in smiling and playing the part for a photograph or for a family picnic or dinner but you get home across the room 
because you didn't sit up at grandma's table correctly, you know. And so those type things are, I'm grateful that I am past. And I hope that if any of us are listening, that we don't have the stigma of that type of, those type of depressive thoughts invading our minds when it comes to holidays. Because guess what? You have to make your own joy, even just with yourself. You have to know and learn that you are enough. Again, you have to start with loving yourself. And loving yourself is removing those seeds that were planted by our abusers that made us think that we were unworthy of love. Because they didn't love themselves. They didn't know how to love us. No one taught them. The abuse that they issued upon us is the abuse that they learned themselves. And it's a cycle that that somewhere along the line, someone has to break it and stop it. I could care less what my parents are thinking or doing in their late 70s, early 80s on a Thanksgiving holiday. I don't make the phone calls anymore. I don't go to their homes anymore. I don't travel for an effort to see them anymore. I don't care what my brother's doing who molested me. We've reached a point where I've been able to talk with him about the incidents that happened, and as much as he can, he's apologized for it. And that's the thing that allows me infrequently to have a conversation with him when I need to, when it comes to family or my nieces or nephews or something of that regard. With me having my back surgery a few months ago, he was a point of contact that I needed to have for emergency reasons for the hospital, so forth and so on. You know how that goes. But other than that, that close-knit bond that I thought we used to have as kids and growing up to our young adult years is gone. It's shattered. It won't ever get back the way it was. But I'm not to the point to where I'm so grappled in anger and resentment towards him that I just completely obliterated anything else because I do know that moving forward, one of my projects is to begin writing my book, and he's three years older than I. And the reality is when we do talk, we're able to share those memories of our shared abuse, even though, yes, he molested me as a young kid, and he was a young kid himself. I look back at it, the more I study on it, it was not an act of aggression or an act of a sexual act. It was a exploratory act, and I just happened to be the body that just happened to be growing into an 11 or 12-year-old body that was left at home with a 13 or 14-year-old boy whose parents never told him to never sexually touch his sisters. That was just a conversation that was not had in our home as far as a healthy conversation on um, sex and growing into your own sexuality. So, again, parents that right out abuse you and then neglected you by not having parental adult-like conversations with you to give you a teaching point and a helping hand to guide you. So when your mind naturally is curious, things are going to happen. So we were able to have a conversation like that, and I felt that I needed to get to the point to, again, I can forgive the act with him. The memory is still there, but, again, I'm not grappled in the emotional upset that it used to give me because as I write my book 
the reality is he's the only memory that I have of certain things that happened because let's just say if he's a six-year-old boy, what if he can remember something that happened with him at six and I was at three and I don't necessarily remember it at three, but I was there. He gives me a lot of insight on certain things like that that have happened, and I need that to understand further that my abuse journey in that same household was not singulatory towards me because we were never all necessarily abused at the same time. We were all fucking up, excuse my language, in, in my parents' language at different times and different reasons. Someone would get in a beating at a different time on a different day of the week. It, that's just how it went. It was hard daily, but it was never my brother, my sister, and I ended up against the wall, and we were all beaten at the time. It wasn't that. But we all got it, but what they called it, from them at one point in time or other. We all got smacked around by them at one point in time or other. Someone was always in the hot seat. And so, again, by him being my only memory, I needed to make sure that I kept a lane of communication open with him. So as I needed to reach out to him, I could reach out to him in a manner that was not aggressive in my approach, that I could get some cooperation from him through our communication. And that has worked. It doesn't happen often because, again, I can't, the, the, the boundaries of trust and everything has been probably irretrievably broken. And so I put up a little bit of a guard that not that he'll do anything else to me to abuse me, but to know that he is the same person that did abuse me. And um, that just triggers, uh, I really can't trust him type of a thing in the back of my mind, if that makes sense. So I'm still guarded around certain people. Um, for that reason, do what you have to do because the reality is if it's family members, we may still have to interact with these people years later down the road for some other reason outside of it just being a mother-daughter, father-daughter thing, brother-sister thing. We may have to interact with them because it's financial reasons or someone is getting sick or someone has died and someone has to handle a will and someone has, you you still got these expectations laid upon you by these people that abused you, you know? And it's the most, single most frustrating thing in the process and realizing that as I'm getting older and my parents are getting older and there's still some weird expectation on their part that I'm to be this quote-unquote dutiful daughter. Well, I'm an adult, and we're going to relate to each other as adults. And until you all are ready to have the conversation with me about you abusing me, there's no doubt that I'm your daughter, but there is not a relationship there anymore or a, a expectation or duty for me as a daughter. Those type things you want from me and that type of time you want from me, you're going to have to ask for it now. You're going to have to get off of your egotistical high horse that you still think that you are able to control and speak down and belittle, demean as if I was still 12 years old, which is why my conversations stand out to the four- and five-year mark now with them. 
living remotely of immediate concern on my part to be a helping or lending hand towards people who abuse me, mother or father or not. That in and of itself is a consequence of their own action. Um, as long as they want to live in a narcissistic world, in an egotistical world, and think that the consequences that they're now facing with people who don't spend time with them, people who don't care to come to their house for these Christmas gifts that they still like to buy and show off but never talk about the mistreatment that they've given people over the years, as long as they want to sit in that fairy tale that they are innocent, then I let that be their reality. It's not my reality. My conversation with people who have abused me, if they attempt to uh, communicate with me, it's we're going to start with your abuse. We're going to start with your insults. We're going to start with your gossip. We're going to start with your belittling. We're going to start with your negativity. Whatever it is that I know for a fact that you've done to try to tear me down in my life, conversations and communications with me now will start there. If they don't, you do not have access to me or permission to be in my life ever again. And it takes you getting to the point, again, where you're pouring more into yourself, you're loving yourself more, you're strengthening yourself more emotionally to where you can put your foot firmly down and plant it behind that, and that becomes your reality. Because that's really all it is. They want what they think they saw in you, your light, your kindness, your joy, they have wanted to destroy that since the day you were born and began exhibiting it. And again, it's not your fault. It's about them being a person who was unloved and unnurtured. And so that unrealized love and joy in them is still there, and that's the only type of experience that they know how to give to the world, to turn other people into hateful, unjoyful, mad angry, abusive, such as themselves. That's the only language that they understand. Um, so when you decide that you don't want to travel that road, then you become even more of the black sheep. In my case, when you decide that you want to start speaking openly about it and frequently about it and are not whispering behind closed doors or gossiping on uh, family phone calls about it anymore, no. If we're going to be in the middle of a family gathering or this or that and it's something that you need to speak about and someone is in the room that abused you, you have the right to openly speak to this person about them abusing you in front of everybody. If that means exposing them because it should never be your burden to continue to bear what they did to you. You didn't abuse yourself. Someone else did. And, again, being grateful and thankful enough to grow more every day, step forward into positivity and light every day, to be able to heal more every day are things that I'm so grateful for. And I hope that anyone within the sound of my voice can hear that, the truth behind that, that you're on your own journey about it, that it's a never-ending journey, and that's the thing about abuse. It probably could happen one time, but the memory of it may stick with you forever, unfortunately. Um, but don't stop there. Let it only be a distant memory. 
don't let it be an emotional attachment because there's so many other joyful and wonderful things that we did throughout our life, people that I do reconnect with sometimes here and there can remind me of something that happened in high school or something that happened um, on a girl's trip or something that happened when I was out traveling or someone posted a picture that I had long ago forgotten about. And that joy is brought back to my life. But maybe I've forgotten those moments because I've spent too much time throughout my life grappling with the abuse that I suffered at the hands of my family. And I know that I've had many more moments of joy in my life than I've had of the moments of abuse, and those are the things that I try to be thankful for every day. So, again, for those that are listening, it's possible to get past the immediate hurt and the constant feeling of I'm not good enough or why did it happen to me. It's possible to grow and get beyond it, but we have to be willing to put in the work. You have to be willing to let it go. It's not all about forgetting, but you can forgive the action. Forgive the action. I don't see where I can forgive the person if they're not willing to admit what they did. That's one thing that my brother and I can share in common that you can't even admit and speak that, yes, you hit me or you slapped me or you set me outside, for, locked me outside for two hours in the cold for whatever reason, you know. If you can't admit that you did these things and you were my mother or my father, then how can we have a conversation about the things that I still remember and the things that I've been hurt by? Like, how dare you? How dare you think that I'm not worthy enough as a person, for you to just say, I'm sorry, this many years later, let alone to think that I was so worthless during the time that you actually abused me, that I wasn't a person. I wasn't human. I didn't exist in your eyes as on your level as someone who thinks and feels hurt like everyone else. But you dished it out regardless. So loving yourself more and pouring into yourself more allows you to strengthen yourself more to where you can have these thoughts without immediately being broken down by the emotion. You can have the conversation and stand up to your abusers, flatly, directly have a conversation with them about what happened, whether they choose to admit it, whether they want to forgive themselves, whether they want to offer you an apology or not. That speaking out allows you to actually really it actually physically begins to leave your body. And so I wish, again, all of you the ability to know that it can happen for you. It's not an overnight process. Um, but the moment you start to realize that I love myself more than anyone outside of me ever can. So even there, if they are loving and empathetic to me. I do appreciate it, and I love the friendships, I've, the few friendships, genuine friendships I've made over the years. But in the instance that they stop for whatever reason, you lose communication. I had a friend that I'd known for years. We worked together for years, and, and he was unfortunately a victim of COVID. And uh, he lived back uh, in the South Alabama where I grew up, 
and it was just one of those things where we always reached out to each other during our birthday time. I celebrated his birthday last week, and my birthday is the end of October. So on years that we worked together, we would always make it a point to meet up somewhere in between those two weeks' time to just celebrate each other's birthdays, whether it's to go out, have a drink or dinner, give each other a quick present, something like that. And so I knew that that was genuine. So at the time that I heard that he had passed away, um, it was I felt an immediate loss. It was a real loss because that was a real friendship. And he was one of the first people that I was able to share with my stories and my history of abuse. And he was one of the ones that began to pour into me that to tell me that it wasn't my fault, you know. Um, so you have to surround yourself with people who do love you, people who are willing to pour into you, people who will listen to you. If they're not there, then you have got to do it for yourself. And do it in whatever way brings you joy or brings you happiness. Let it be something positive. Stay away from anything negative that will negatively impact your mood, your mind, your state. Don't get involved in anything that hurts your body, hurts your mind, hurts your state of being. Stay away from people who are constantly negative. They may not be negative to you, but if they're negative to other people, it just shows that they have a negative trait. Stay away from them. Because it's past the point that we can kiki and ha-ha and laugh about someone else's flaws and bring other people down. You have a problem with uplifting other people. So if you're doing that to someone else in my present, who's to say you're not doing it behind my back about me? It's just not something genuine that I want to be involved in or around. So that type of energy, regardless of who the person is, I make it a point that I ask my creator every day to, to let me recognize and stay away from energy that's not positive because I don't need it. I don't want to be around it. I don't want it to crawl into my skin. I don't want to receive it in any kind of negative way. I don't want to speak it. I don't want to relive it. I don't want to become a part of it because there's no, absolutely nothing positive that's going to come out of a negative situation. You have to make the change yourself to change the negative into the positive. And if you get your rocks off by negativity every day, then that's the world you live in. But it's not anything for me. So, again, it comes with making changes in your life, physically, emotionally, making changes within yourself. It could be making changes with your diet, how you eat, how you take care of yourself. I'm a witness of that, neglecting my health for years, where I had to find out earlier this year that a minute um, fracture along my spinal cord was actually caused by a malignant tumor. And close to six months later, I had to have emergency surgery. From the day that they told me that the tumor was there, four days later I was on the operating table. I had to literally learn to walk again. So if I'm in a state of that and just thinking I'm going to a regular doctor's appointment and at 2 in the afternoon and the next thing I know it's 11 p.m. at night, I'm being admitted to a hospital and someone's telling me I have to have emergency surgery, like I don't even have time to think about sexual molestation or abuse from 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Because I've got to love me enough now to be strong enough for me that I'm laying in this hospital bed alone in three days. That's something that your mind 
and to wrap your mind and be strong enough emotionally to not find yourself apart at every single little thing that happens. Um, hey, Monica. Uh, I'm here. Hey, Monica. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you just keep kind of cutting in and out a little bit. You kind of keep cutting in and out a little bit. Okay. So I was just, I don't know. Well, why don't you guys go ahead and take it, and then I'll just listen in. Oh, no, we want, we love listening to you. But yeah, why don't you guys just go ahead and Yeah, Yeah, I, well, I'm just, I guess I'm a little bit curious then, um, because we talked about this before on the show. My name is Kim, by the way, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that we've ever really been on together, but um, I don't usually do Thursday night, but um, I'd offer to do tonight. And, um, okay. I was kind of curious as to if how your relationship with your siblings was, if if it was because of the abuse specifically, or it was it was because of. Like you being kind of pinned against each other, does that make sense, you know? So did you My older brother, brother, like I said, yeah. like I said, with my older brother, um, I had to make the point, and it was actually while I was in the hospital, maybe a week or so after I had the surgery, and I had to reach out to him for emergency contact reasons, right? I have a great relationship with his oldest daughter. Uh, he's got two young kids, and I've got he's got one older son. So the three of them I keep in contact with pretty regularly on social media. Again, him, it's a conversation that I would have if it's a must-have conversation about a must-have situation. And prior to my hospitalization this year, I hadn't talked to him prior to that in about two and a half to three years. And that was due to another situation with another family member that I had to get in contact with my brother in order to find this other family member. So one of the last times I physically saw him was at another family get-together, and this was maybe seven or eight years ago. And he just made a generalization point on pulling me to the side to say, I miss my sister, I want my sister back, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, these are just certain points on my agenda we're going to have to have. The reason I don't speak with you or talk to you, we're going to have to have this conversation. So when we were actually able to get on and have it, he's coming to tears, he's doing all this, and just I didn't realize I hurt you like that, things of that nature, and I'm just sorry. It wasn't a pinpoint on everything that he would acknowledge, but how men are with processing information, especially your general male, alpha male thing, they don't process emotion very well. So I didn't expect him to speak on it as well as he did, but he gave enough to where I said, okay, I can let my guard down and we can reconnect on some level, but I'm not going to force it. And so I'm able to reach out to him now or call him now, again, without any anger or aggression about anything about the past. And um, we can just speak openly. It's still not very often. And I've been 
out from the hospital about four months now, and I haven't spoken with him since leaving the hospital. I spoke with him right before leaving, but not since I've left. And, um, again, I don't take it personal. He had, from what I understand, some health things he was going through on himself, so I wished him well on that. And that was it. I have a younger sister, and my younger sister and I never had um, – She's still emotionally wrapped up in the I'm the bigger sister, she's the younger sister situation. And my sister never received the level of a physical abuse or other abuse that my brother and I did because of some other family dynamics. So she kind of grew up with this I'm the baby of the family and put on a pedestal thing. And she's gone through her entire adult life, and I'm 50, that would put her at 48 years old this year, to where... She felt a sense of entitlement. She's had this weird sense of entitlement as the baby of the family throughout her whole life. And so certain decisions I saw her making that weren't the best things as we were young women coming up, me giving her that advice as an older sister, she didn't want to listen. And for years she just became highly combative with me. And part of that as I got older were the traits of my mother and father that she was picking up as being a a narcissist, very highly egotistical. Um, If things didn't go her way, you want to talk about throwing a temper tantrum. I thought my father threw tantrums. This woman threw tantrums as an adult. So my thing is you're becoming a mother now. You have relationships with your kids that you have to teach your kids how to grow and process information, and you're not able to do that because the system doesn't come your way, whether it's your relationship with your kid's father, a relationship at a job at work, a relationship with a friend, or maybe people see you making some not-so-great mothering decisions and you don't want to listen, your immediate go-to is to throw a tantrum. And if I don't have my way and you don't back me up on what I'm doing and everything that I say is okay, then you're on my shit list pretty much. So I got tired of living with that. Yeah, I, I and over the years, over the years, I realized that I had become way too invested and entangled in my brother and sister's relationships, where we were just tight and close to where. Dreams that I wanted to go after, and me sitting in that same city, living in the same city, and all the problems and issues or other people in my circle, because I was still so emotionally invested in that negativity. So when I decided to cut the negativity and begin to move professionally in some circles that allowed me to go out and travel more to different cities and say, hey. I can get out of this city. I can make it on my own in another city. I have other opportunities that I'm missing out on because I'm sitting at home worrying about other people's problems. When I started to make those changes and cut some of those ties, I had no support, none from people other than on the topic of gossip. She's moving away. What does she think she's doing? Who does she think she is? And she thinks she's better than us and blah, 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 because the decisions that they were making were tethering them still to the negativity in their life, to where they they didn't make the decision to cut it. 
So, again, I made it a point to keep an open and honest conversation with her three sons. Um, They're all doing great, but I haven't had an open conversation with my younger sister in close to 10 years. I saw her once about five years ago at a family funeral, and uh, she brought the nephews to see me to my hotel the night before I flew back out. And um, if it had not been a cold, and I remember it was around Thanksgiving time because it had gotten very cold there back in uh, Alabama. So it was maybe two weeks or so before Thanksgiving. And if it had not been a cold night, I would have asked her to sit in a car outside because I didn't want to see her. I just wanted to see my nephews. So as she brought them in, I'm checking in on them, how they're doing. My conversation was really about my nephews. I didn't have much to say to her. I'm not going to show any negativity or anything like that in front of her towards them. But the last conversation, again, over 10 years ago with her, is if you're going to have a conversation with me, you're going to be respectful in your tone. You're going to be respectful with how you speak to me. You're going to speak to me about the truth, about things that you have got to have conversations about, and speak the truth into them. If not, if they come to me about it, I'm going to speak the truth to them about things that they need to know that involve you and possible neglect when they were younger kids. Again, you're following in the footsteps of our parents who abused us and abuse that you witnessed to the point that when she was dismissed from the Navy, she was dismissed with a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. Spent close to three months in a naval psychiatric hospital because of that. She came back home and lived with me for a few months, but I can see that she was not taking her health seriously. And I can see where the further deterioration of her health standing was starting to go to where I said, you have got to find another place to live. You cannot live with me any longer. If you're not going to take your health seriously and not take the recommendations of your doctor and get into psychiatric care once you get released because this is not something to laugh about. It doesn't go away. They told you point blank. It's what you're experiencing is up there very close to borderline to PTSD. Her borderline, her BPD was borderline and possibly co-occurring. Again, these are words that we're all hearing for the first time 20 years ago or 25 years ago now, you know, that it's been for her. Maybe, yeah, maybe 30 and up to, for them to tell her that she's very close to experiencing PTSD, which is where her symptoms of borderline personality were. And for her to not take it serious, her to neglect it, for this many years later, she's never done it to my knowledge, I can't support you in that because now you're becoming a mother and some of your behavior now and the tantrums that you throw, and how you are constantly in a screaming and attack mode at sometimes with the kids doesn't sit well with me. You don't give them your negativity because you don't know how to process your negativity. That's not being a mother. That's being another generation of a person who cannot nurture their children and a person who is emotionally abusive. And I refuse to sit around and watch it. Um, 
So for that reason, again, I limit conversations with people. I put a do not disturb sign on my door. If something comes up, it, I'm going to tell you, it literally has to be a death or dying at the door situation before I allow myself to become entangled back into the negativity that I walked away from. So it, I've done my part to try to open the doors of communication and to get the dialogue flowing so we can talk to each other about anything that's passed between the both of us. That's a bad memory or something negative that I have done to them that they want to get some relief from me or apology from me. But if they just want to sit in boiled up bad feelings about it and continue to process it the same way we did when we were 12, then no, I don't need to speak with you about anything. And I'm perfectly okay with that. So, again, it's about walking away and staying away and knowing that I no longer need that attachment to them in order to feel anything because they weren't giving me any nurturing or joy or anything happy or helpful anyway. They're still very much locked in at some point to whatever negativity they were locked in at the point that I walked away. And... I'm not going to continue to be the person that's trying to knock on the door to ask you to open your door because I'm standing here. You know, I'm available. But when you don't want to do your part by making yourself available and reaching back out to me in a kind and nurturing manner, then no, you don't have to. If the only way you think you're going to communicate with me is something negative and not positive, then no, I don't give access to people anymore. I don't care who it is. Um, and so for that reason, it's, uh, it's healed a little bit more with my brother who actually physically molested me. It hasn't healed that much with my sister who I just stopped trying to be her savior over the years and stopped trying to be her big sister with me seeing her making these just impractical decisions throughout her life, especially at the time she began having her children and, and, and how she moved through her life with, with um, how she made relationships regarding those kids and their fathers and things of that nature. I just couldn't sit back and watch that type of um, shit show, for lack of a better word. Um, I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. So um, other people, I had a best friend at one point. We did a lot of things together. She was a married woman and found out that she was also an abused woman. And certain things she would share with me, and it's like if it's not getting better and, and, and if you're not going to do anything about it, then I, I don't want to hear any more about it. If you're not leaving, you're not gonna, you've got adult children over the age of 18. I mean, what, you're a grown woman, you're independent, you own your own business, you make your own money. You know, maybe if you stop thinking about, well, I'm just going to leave and go to a hotel for a week, it'll be okay if you're able to do that. I'm going to leave and go and get a, a short-term apartment for a month, and that will teach them a lesson. If you're able to do that, why can't you make a more positive, definitive choice and move on with life the way you need to? And when people just refuse to do those type things, don't keep pulling me into your negative decision-making because I'm on a journey of making more positive decision-making. And anything that doesn't help me is hurtful to me, even if it's a situation that's deeply embroiled in another friend because you're pulling me into it like quicksand. I don't want any part of it. 
Um, so walking away from friendships like that, it, I thought at one point that I was just cutting people off too quickly, maybe being too judgmental. And then when I began to open up and let people back in and they were still involved in the same thing or worse, I thought, you know what, I'm sticking to my guns from the first time you showed me that you are not genuine, you are not happy, you're not healthy, you're not on a good journey. I don't need your behavior or you in my life. Don't take it personal, but I'm just not here for that anymore. Good luck to you, well wishes to you, and that's it. We don't need to speak anymore. And, again, it, it took me years of pouring into myself, loving myself, strengthening myself, and able to do that because it didn't matter what type of negativity it was. The lasting impact was I knew in my brain was going to be something that would not leave my spirit for as long as it did the way I was hurt as a kid. So going into my 20s and 30s, I'm not giving anyone another 5 or 10 years in my life to be negative and hurtful to me. And, I, and once I do finally walk away and cut them off, then I've got another 5 or 10 years that I've got to work on myself to cut off the impact of what that relationship and attachment to that person was like. So I, I am in a space where I have no problem with cutting people off. I have no problem with trying to identify negativity up front. So I don't give you a chance to get six months in or a year in or five years in before I decide to walk away. The first time I see it, and I don't do it as judgment, I ask my divine creator to let me walk with a sense of, of discernment every day that I can see things clearly and make the appropriate decision clearly on what is best for me in a healthy, positive, healing journey. And if people cannot just be themselves and just show me that good character in them by just being themselves, not putting on an act, by me telling them this is what I expect of them, so they're going to show up with these fake personalities. I don't do that. I just sit back and, and watch and, 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 and decide, make a decision quietly. I don't need to be around this person. I don't need to exchange phone numbers. We don't need to be on social media. We don't need to do anything. So I walk away fairly easy. And it's years that goes by that people realize Oh, I haven't talked with her. Where she's where she's been, and you get this from other people, and then you're realizing I don't speak with you, but you make an effort to try to run me down and find out where I am. The last time it happened was about two years ago, with another cousin and another terrible decision making life she's making in her mid forties. I have no desire to be a part of what you're doing in your life at all. And she made a point to go through this person and that person about the third person down, three degrees separated, to get her phone number to me. And when the message was texted to them and I said, I have no reason to reach back out to this person, um, please don't contact me regarding this person again because it's going to make me not want to contact you again if I know that you're in contact with this person. So I look at other people's circle and who they hang around. They may not be able to be in a position where they can cut things out of their life as quickly as I do, but if I see that you are not emotionally strong enough to um, protect your circle more than what you do, then I put distance between you and I and how we interact. So with my siblings, it doesn't make a, a difference that they're my siblings. 
I treat them no differently than anyone else that's negatively going to emote, that's going to negatively impact my life or have the ability to do so. I just don't give people that power anymore. I'd rather take that power back and pour it into myself and walk with my head a little higher every day, a little stronger every day, a little prouder every day to know that I am a survivor of the things in my life that tried to destroy me. And I am stronger than that. I am healthier than that. And so for that reason, it becomes um, a mystery to people. Where's Monica? Like, you know, that, that old school puzzle, where's Waldo? You know, that's why I feel like every couple of years I get with people that I've cut off and in their head, they don't realize that they've been cut off because I don't need to have a I'm cutting you off situation. I just stop it. I stop the communication. I may change the phone number. I'll block their number. I don't email them, a, you know, a unfollow or whatever on social media. I do all of that. But I don't do it in a way that's negative or angry or anything like that. I just walk away quietly. And when they realize that I'm not accessible anymore, then it becomes, where's Monica? You know, and fill your life with other things that make you happy other than worrying about pulling me back into your possible craziness. Because if that's where we left off, I honestly don't have the energy to find out if you're doing anything differently in your life because I'm past the point to where I care anymore. That caregiving, I take that energy and I put it into me. So it's more important for me to wake up and tell myself that I love me every day to build my life around what I'm going to do positively every day than to constantly be in communication with negative people every day to figure out if they're changing the negativity in their life. I just don't have the energy to be involved in any of that anymore. So I hope that kind of clears it up a little bit on the the, uh, the situation yeah. with siblings I can honestly tell you I don't I don't have the the rose colored glasses on anymore as oh this is my sister, this is my brother. I don't have that attach emotional attachment to them sure. anymore like that as we were kids. Um so it just they just are people to me. Now at this stage in my life, I'm fifty years old, I'm not gonna live any more years. I've got Fewer years of my life ahead of me than I have that I've already lived at 50 years old. I turned 50 last month. And I'm going to tell you, my foot's on the gas, and I'm not stopping for nobody. If you are not on your own trajectory in your life, positive, light, healthy, happy, healing, I don't care who you are. You are gone because my foot's on the gas, and I'm gone. I'm leaving you in the dust. Got places to so go. that's where, it, it, again, it's one of the yeah. things, it doesn't yeah. happen overnight. You just have to make the decision that you are more important than negative people that are around you. And there's absolutely nothing freaking wrong with you waking up and loving yourself more than other people could possibly say that they love you. Nothing should break that relationship with yourself. So I think I heard this on Instagram where people said, question yourself. Who's the level of your life? So people start thinking over these old relationships and things that they had. No, you are the love of your life. You should be. 
You should be the greatest love of your life, regardless of your, I think, your spiritual journey and relationship. Second to that, you are the love of your life. And anything that tries to remotely come between that, people don't understand when they think you're putting yourself on a pedestal when you're speaking into yourself and speaking positively about yourself. Because they're not doing those things for themselves. And, again, they just want access to you so they can continue to do what they've always done and be negative in a very minute, covert, little dart-throwing ways, right? They want to be able to have some type of access to you. So I don't care who you are. I don't have that type of emotional response to people anymore because they're a family member. I just don't. I have an aunt that reached out to me for my birthday besides a few little people on Instagram as far as an immediate family member, an immediate sister of my dad who abused me. This woman is my pride and joy. She's single. She's never been married, never had children, and I've seen this woman walk through her life proud as the day is born every day, and I tell people, I may have never learned how to be a mother, but I learned how to be the best aunt in the world and how to walk in light and how to walk in joy and how to walk in love. This woman speaks and pours into me every time I speak with her, every time. And it's months that go by, but I make it a point to reach out to her, and she calls me. I have never gotten that from my parents since the day I left their home at 20 years old to be on my own. My parents, and, and again, unless it was something negative, some weird holiday thing, I've never had my parents to pick up the phone to call me and say, hey, how are you doing? We love you. We're reaching out. They don't do it because they don't have the capacity to do it. They don't have love in their hearts because they will abuse themselves and refuse to speak on the abuse. And the reason I know the abuse is there is because I've gotten the truth from their sisters and siblings because they, again, were in a shared household. So they're so deeply rooted in the shame and silence of whatever it was that in their late 70s going into their 80s, they refused to speak on it, what happened to them, so they can't speak on what they did to us. So the relationships that I have with people that are quote-unquote family members, I am grateful and thankful for those because they've developed and evolved over the years genuinely. And that is mostly what I, I am thankful for. Sister and brother or not, if it's not that, it's no longer a thing that it's an automatic, oh, but this is my cousin. And when I moved here, I moved in with the cousin that's here close to five years ago. About two years ago, his behavior and him going more and more to a functioning alcoholic was unbearable. And I had to cut that relationship off and move away. We're in the same city. But people ask me periodically, how's he doing? What's going on? I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in two years. We live in the same city, yes. I was living with him, you know, and, and he had room and he needed a roommate, needed the money. Um, and, and that was great for three years. But I can't be around and think it's okay and think it's fine. Not going into 50 years of my life. I don't want to live that way and watch other people destroy themselves living that way. So you have to make a point that you become more important than anything else outside of yourself, including a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, because you have to learn to, whatever those relationships brought to you, you've got to learn to fill that void yourself. 
And that's what I mean by pouring into yourself and loving yourself. Because there's still something about that as adults now. I mean, what really do you need from each other? So like I said, it's got to be a death or dying thing that I'm going to respond to them about something. Other than that, good luck to you. I don't want to hear about anything else. If it's something else I need to hear about it or something with your kids, I've got to open enough relationship with your kids that they call me or text me or hit me on social media directly. Since I, I'm open enough as an aunt that I've been able to walk past you and I having a touch-and-go relationship to be a better person for them when I needed to show up, even to the point that I needed to show up for them because something that their parents didn't do or couldn't do. And they had to reach out to me as the aunt, as the next supposedly responsible, available adult in their life. So it gets to a point again, you just have to be stronger to where you just don't need those type of relationships anymore. At least for me, I don't. And, um, yeah, that's that's just what it is for me. I I just want to say that again. To get to that point, how long? How long do you think it took you to get to that point in your life? I can tell you the situation with my sister happened about, it was about 10 years ago. She was celebrating maybe more than that. And, again, her being on this mental illness thing, borderline personality disorder, which is is up there on the spectrum with, um, Bipolar, right? So she gets in these these high swing moods where she wants to be, she wants to spend a lot of money, she wants to do a lot of things. And I was living at her town, and she called me on wanting to spend five thousand dollars each between her, myself, and my brother on a fortieth anniversary for my parents. So this was maybe ten, going into fifteen years ago now, and I told her absolutely not. This is ridiculous. You've got a son that's close to graduating, um, is in school. Your kids need this. They need that. These are the people that abused us. Why do you need to spend $5,000 on a party for them? The conversation that I had with them at that point, they just wanted to do a simply family gathering to get together and leave it at that. They didn't want to an audience of other people. They just didn't want to flaunt or spend money or something. Now, when we were younger, they had no problem doing it. But getting into their older years now, they they didn't want to be bothered. And my sister wouldn't listen. It was just, again, my way or the highway. And she wanted to start a big argument about it because I told her no. And it was, again, one of those last situations. You will show me respect. You will not speak to me this way. You don't have my permission to speak to me this way. You will be the adult in the situation because I'm the adult in this situation. I am tired of trying to tell you about your behavior. It is not good. It is not healthy. At that point, I had long been diagnosed with lupus, so I knew how much stress could literally have such an attack on my body. And coming from a family that was highly stressful, constantly yelling and screaming at each other about whatever, it was one of those things you had to learn to walk away from. I learned to tolerate it because I didn't know other behavior. So I didn't have to, again, after my diagnosis with that, that's what started my journey really on cutting people and things off as far as me being focusing on my own health because they weren't changing and it's not up to me to change them. 
It's up to me to change me, to become a healthier person, physically and spiritually. With my brother, it happened um, probably within the same time span of that because I remember being in town for an event that I had to do um, and just swung by my parents' house to say hello, and it was a random Sunday or something, so they were there doing, again, the fake family dinner thing. And it was well before trying to have the open conversation with him that only happened about four or five years ago. So this was 10 or 12 years ago by now, maybe 15. And I remember trying to pull him and my father to the side and say, again, start the conversation on, I'm here in town for another day or so. I want to speak with the both of you about some things that are still bothering me. And immediately both of them are six feet four. Both of them are ex-football players, ex-military guys. And so for you to ask these so-called alpha males to open up and to speak about anything emotional, they'd rather come down at you as two men at trucks alongside a freight train. And here I am trying to dodge them both. Um that particular incident with my brother extended from a screaming match inside of that uh, cold bedroom where I tried to talk to them alone. Then it spilled out into the family room, me grabbing my bags. I'm never speaking to you SOBs again. We're going, I'm not going through this anymore, blah, blah, blah. It spilled out into the front yard, which was the ultimate sin to my mother because their constant mantra growing up as a kid, whatever happens in our house stays in our house. Again, we are putting on this fake front that everyone thinks we're this great, big, happy family. And the conversations need to be had because I'm not where I need to be healthy. And so if I'm not here because you all have hurt me, we're going to have the conversation about you hurting me and why you hurt me. These things need to be said and done. You can't, I can't carry this my whole life. I don't know how you're carrying it other than to break the cycle of seeing that you all are functioning alcoholics. And that was the day I literally felt a wave of, like a big ball of, until I began studying metaphysics, I didn't understand really how energy works in the body. But you have your throat chakra, and back then, not knowing what that was, it was so clogged, even at me screaming, I'm in that front yard waiting for my taxi to pull up, and my brother comes out thinking he's going to, I guess, defuse the situation we had never for years, been in a screaming match on something like that towards each other. And as he was approaching me, I couldn't hold it in anymore. He was the biggest SOB. You molested me. You did this. You did that. I'm not putting up with it. And it was just you could see the the bigger his eyes got like, I can't believe she's saying this stuff out loud. I can't believe she's saying it in front of other people. But I, it spilled out of me like, a spillway of gunk and bile and crap out of your, you know, wherever trash goes when it leaves your house, when it leaves the toilet, right? It spilled out. 
And once it came out, I felt like, ah, I literally felt breath leaving my body. But it was the energy that had been so clawed into my throat chakra where you can't speak or you don't speak emotionally. And began to study in metaphysics, metaphysics years later and understand how the different levels of chakra work. Your throat chakra actually enables you to be able to speak clearly and concisely and open to where you don't hold it in. And that moment is the moment where it started with my brother. And as far as me walking away from not speaking up or not speaking out, um, with my parents, it happened a little bit at a time here and there over the years um, because I just felt the need that I need to have it because they were getting older. And I tried everything. You don't want to listen to me. I've asked to go to a family uh, minister or deacon in the family. I've asked to set up family counseling. I just asked to have the conversation with me one-on-one. And it's always a refusal. It's a denial. They get into a screaming match. They want to distract you from the conversation. I just, um, again, that the only time it's begin to open and heal itself a little bit, it was with my brother, and that was only a few months ago because of me being in the hospital. And um, we had that shared thing on talking to each other about our medical things, and it's like, well, it can easily turn this and go this bad or be this bad. Do you really want to be at this stage of your life where I'm 50, he's three years older at 53, that you want, now you're thinking about mortality and where your life should be and the choices that you're making? Do you really want to be at this stage in your life where you cannot wake up a little easier every day and go to bed a little sounder every day at night? Like, Do you really want to be that? And um, so, again, our commonality to open us up to share some things is the, is the shared abuse between I hear him because I don't think he's got anyone to talk to about it. So when we talk, it gives him a chance to open up more about it to the point that on some of our conversations he does get emotional and he starts crying. But he doesn't share it with his ex-wife. He's never shared it with ex-girlfriends, things of that nature. People know about these stories because we just talk generally about it or you make light of it. But he actually has not had the opportunity to speak openly about his actual true feelings about it. And I try to make sure that it was more easy on my journey if I'm going to be a healthy, happier person in helping other people, brother or not, my ex-child molester or not, I've got to be able to be a person to be there for him as well if he needs it. And that's me stepping away from my own ego and stepping away from my own anger to say, hey, yep. Sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you. I I apologize, but we are down to the last two minutes. So I I really appreciate you coming on, and I think that you talking about your relationship with your siblings is very helpful to a lot of people. I also wanted to just say that I, I also wanted to recognize, because I'm 55, and so I recognize as well that it took me 45, 50, before I even started talking about 
and my abuse with other people, and one of the first places was on Nautica. And um, so I just want to not make people who aren't ready to take that step feel like they have to. You know, it, it, it is something that I think it takes some time. And there are younger people as well that will just be able to grab right onto it and, um, you know, and just run with it and be able to think about themselves. But I know personally it took me a long time as well, but I have three kids. And so I also went through that not I was half a little bit healed, but not all the way healed. And I should have waited to have my children, but it didn't work out that way. But, um, but thank you so much for everything that you've shared. And I really appreciate it because I haven't heard your story. I've been on with you. And so um, I appreciate you coming on and telling more of your story and answering my questions. I also just wanted to um, to say, since we, we it is a, a holiday, and I know that people do struggle as well, that there's a suicide hotline. It's 998-988. So if you are struggling, please reach out and, and talk to somebody. Again, it's 988. And we just appreciate you all being on with us this evening. Thank you, Philip, for being on and um, starting off the night. And thank you so much, Monica, for being on with everything that you've shared this evening. I enjoyed having you. Have a good evening. Awesome. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Good night. Awesome. One last thing from me. I do have an Instagram.